This is Jimmy Dore, uh, one of the giants in podcasting, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, Al Madrigal from the hit sitcom About a Boy and The Daily Show discusses leaving the family business to pursue stand-up comedy. I was supposed to take the whole thing over. My dad would yell at me when I would be <laughs> driving up to Sacramento. Where are you right now? I'm driving to Sacramento. Why in the hell are you driving to Sacramento? I'm going to open up for a guy named Louis C.K. <laughs> Who in the hell is Louis C.K.? And this is like a Sunday night when 38 people are in the crowd for Louis. We hear a lot more from Al in just a little bit. John Stossel, turns out, isn't as crazy as you think. Well, compared to Ann Coulter, who makes him look reasonable. We'll discuss that as well. We're also going to discuss this great new book I'm reading, Mad World, an oral history of new wave artists and songs that define the 1980s. You'll want to stick around for that. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. It wasn't just a hard drive crash that led the Internal Revenue Service to lose Lois Lerner's emails from the time Lerner was in charge of holding up tax exemption applications from conservative groups. Skeptics believe this to be a highly unlikely scenario. The emails so far have not been recovered, but investigators have found several IRS Facebook memes, including one of Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka saying, Tell me again how you were against paying taxes and want to be tax exempt? Advocates of an open internet have for weeks been urging the Federal Communications Commission to relabel broadband as a utility and move toward a strong net neutrality that would give the FCC much greater authority to ban controversial fast lanes on the internet. Reclassification, as the proposal is called, would allow the FCC to apply the same set of strict rules to ISPs that it currently uses to govern telephone companies. Congressional Democrats, meanwhile, have just introduced legislation to ban fast lanes altogether. Now, AT&T claims strong internet neutrality would actually ruin the internet for AT&T shareholders. Rick Perry told an awesome joke about why he did so badly last time he ran for president, said a headline on the Business Insider website this past week. The joke, which I'm doing little air quotes for, which was a response to a question about the 2012 presidential campaign, went like this. Quote, Perry, well, it was an incredibly exciting period of time. I led in the polls, I recall correctly, in late August, and it was three of the most exhilarating hours of my life. Pretty powerful life. I guess that's the awesome joke. Uh, Business Insider, definitely not the onion, that's for sure. Perry later said that his campaign stalled due to three things. I'll let you fill in the rest. While some people in the gay rights movement support and respect religious liberty and expression, most do not. And see, religious expression is purely bigoted, said former Senator Rick Santorum on Thursday at the March of Marriage on Capitol Hill. Apparently oblivious to the fact that when your religious views promote the idea of denying someone the same rights you have, that's bigoted. New York City bake shop worker Hope Burgos, who is pregnant with a baby girl and is due in September, was handed over a 10-page lawsuit by her employer for the quote-unquote crime of getting pregnant, reports TV station WPIX. The whole thing turned out to be a huge misunderstanding, though. The owner thought she was stealing because one of her co-workers said she had a bun in her oven. A fundamental constant that sets the size of the gravitational force between all objects has finally been pinned down using the quirky quantum behavior of tiny atoms. The new results could help set the official value of the gravitational constant and may help scientists find evidence of extra space-time dimensions, said study co-author Gialgamo Tino, an atomic physicist at the University of Florence in Italy. According to the House Science Committee, it's a hoax concocted by scientists who want to be rich and famous. 
Dr. Christian Schulkter's discovery of a 4,000-year-old chunk of wood at the leading edge of a Swiss glacier is clearly not shared by many members of the global warming doom and gloom science orthodoxy, reports the conservative news website Newsmax. This finding indicated that the Alps were pretty nearly glacier-free at the time, proving accepted theories that they only began retreating after the end of the Little Ice Age in the mid-19th century. As he concluded, the region once had been much warmer than today, with a wild landscape and wild flowing river. Interesting how conservatives love science and scientists when they agree with them, but when the majority of scientists say something they don't like, it's all a hoax and a vast conspiracy. Despite brisk temperatures of minus 290 degrees Fahrenheit, Saturn's giant Titan moon is one of the great interest to scientists, thanks to Earth-like geography, hydrocarbon lakes, and even possible life. Though NASA's Gansini Huygens probe visited Titan some time ago, the space agency would like to return at some point, this time with a quadrotor, or drone, which would acquire high-res images from close to the surface, take atmospheric readings, and bomb the crap out of anything that moved. A great white shark being tracked by marine researchers and weighing more than a ton is keeping scientists guessing after it made its way from Massachusetts Cape Cod to the northeast Gulf of Mexico this week. Tagged in 2013 with a satellite tracking device, the great white known as Catherine is charting a groundbreaking map of the shark highway as scientists seek to discover its seasonal feeding grounds, said one researcher, you're going to need a bigger satellite. The Cleveland Browns signed their first-round quarterback, Johnny Manziel, to a four-year contract on Tuesday, according to media reports. The deal is worth about $8.25 million and includes a $4.3 million signing bonus, $6.7 million guaranteed, and a club option for a fifth year. The four-year deal means the Browns will only have to eat about two years of his contract after they cut him. And finally, a St. Augustine, Florida couple found a scene straight out of a fairy tale when they arrived home early Saturday morning. To their surprise, a female stranger was sleeping on their couch wearing the homeowner's pajamas. The girl explained that it was a meeting of the Robert Downey Jr. fan club. And that's been Fake News with me. Hey folks, remember this? Dear Joey, getting my hair done. Be back at 3.30. Please go to Lawson's and pick up bread, lunch meat, potato salad, and pop. And if you want... Or this? We have fresh ideas at Red Barn, like a salad bar for you. This is the third time my husband went back to the salad bar. Or how about this? Well, Home Shirts has all of your vintage apparel needs, recalling all the great brands and restaurants of yesteryear, particularly from the cities of Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and St. Louis, but also from brands around the country. Just head to homeshirts.com and check out all of our vintage apparel needs, including restaurants, stores, great sports teams. Check it out, and when you order specifically from Home Shirts Cleveland, we make a couple of bucks, and we really appreciate it. Merry-go-round. Unique fashions for guys and gals. For a while now, I've been making the argument that a lot of conservative folks and websites and social media platforms are hokum, and I love that word, by the way, uh, are hokum because while progressives disagree with each other a lot, uh, especially people like Bill Maher, Jimmy Dore, John Stewart, Stephen Colbert, they always will make fun of uh, progressive ideas and people. Maybe not as often as conservatives, but as we've you know said, it's not a it's it's not a this or that. It's not an you know an equal. Uh, uh, the two sides aren't equal. There's there's more crap on one side than the other. But it doesn't keep these guys from calling BS on their own side, as it were. Okay. And it seems like conservatives rarely do that. And maybe that's just their strategy. You know, you got to close the ranks and, you know, present a unified front. 
But anyway, I came across this thing from last year that is fascinating. I was uh, on Facebook. I commented on some guy's Newsbusters uh, comment, and uh, he had sent, well, what it was was a picture of Ann Coulter, and I guess Newsbusters is going to have their media, or they, I guess they award the worst cases of liberal bias, and they had Ann Coulter's picture up. And I jokingly said, why are you picking on Ann Coulter? You know, because it looked like she was going to be the target of it, and I guess she's going to host it or something. Well, this guy seriously wrote back and said, well, she's a disgrace because of the way she talked uh, in her interview with John Stossel. And I said, I got to see this. So he sent me the link to it. And uh, that's the funny thing about Newsbusters, by the way. They, um, they're, all, all, they're all together on, uh, on things until like, they will uh, ridicule the people that want to legalize pot. And then I would say like at least two-thirds of the commentary are from libertarians saying, hey, look, if people want to do, it, want to do that, that's perfectly fine. And you know, it kind of undoes their whole argument about you know, making ABC and uh, the liberal media promoting legalized pot. And the, all the libertarians on Newsbusters are saying, hey— have at it. So anyway, um, Ann Coulter is speaking to John Stossel at the International Students for Liberty Conference last year, and it's a gathering of libertarian college kids, and uh, well, it goes something like this. Now, most of you students consider yourselves libertarians. Why not Republicans? Is it because the Republicans want to go to war, or because they want to police what you can put in your body, or ban gay marriage? All right, well, Ann Coulter says we're out to lunch in uh, objecting to those things. We are? Um, Let's do one at a time. Okay, war. Real war. Yeah. <laughs> Real Iraq. war. It was good. We went into Iraq. I'm for Iraq against Afghanistan, but to explain. Okay, l- let's stop it right there. She's she was against Afghanistan. She was against going to the place where the terrorists trained and where they were still big nests of them. She was against that. She was for going to war against a country that posed absolutely no threat to us whatsoever. Okay, so, I mean, we're always saying Stossel's nuts, and he is. Uh, but, I mean, at least with libertarians, there's kind of, a, 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 I guess, a common ground we have w- w- uh, with them. And that, you know, people don't want to be hassled. And I guess it's just a matter of, you know, agreeing and disagreeing over who's hassling and how much. So at least Stossel isn't as crazy as Ann Coulter, who, who by the way, I agree with Stephen Colbert, the not the character Stephen Colbert, the actual Stephen Colbert, who said in a Rolling Stone interview that he's 90% sure, I'm paraphrasing, that this is a character. This, is, this isn't really a real person, that, that this is some character that someone's doing, and eventually down the road, the mask will come off, and it'll be like, ah, oh, I was just kidding. Anyway, so <laughs> Ann Coulter says, war, great. And then uh, later down the road, she chastises the, the libertarians for, uh, for uh, being concerned about uh, legalizing drugs and being for gay marriage. Here, here's a little blast of that. Why can't gays get married like straights do? Um, well, they can. They have to marry a member of the opposite sex. Why can't they marry a member of their sex? No, I think you're, this is another one where you're just sucking up to liberals when there are big fights we really no, need we to believe be having in a very individuals should be left right alone. Now. But my reason, and I was talking with libertarians or gays or anything else, marriage is the most important um, institution to civilize young people, bring them into, I mean, I... Okay, so you get the point. The, the libertarians, there should be bigger fish to fry uh, like this. 
And the Republican Party position is we should intervene, go to war, do whatever it is foreign policy related when it makes America safer. I'll say quickly why I think Iraq was a magnificent war was Saddam was dangerous to us. You can't have these crazed terrorists out there. It isn't 12 people by themselves who are flying planes organizing that terrorist attack. They're being funded. But they, they weren't from Iraq. Um, uh, okay, and now she's going to start pulling stuff out of her ass. Saddam was certainly looking to help them, to fund them. He was seeking as well. Now two... No, he wasn't. Two bipartisan commissions, both here in England, spent six months investigating. He was looking for uranium from, from Niger. Completely bogus. It, it, it is a problem that you have all of these countries, some of them with very literate and pro-Western, pro-American populations, but they're led by crazy leaders. I'd say that. Uh, okay, okay. So we we get the point. So I, I mean, it's just yeah, it's just it's just mind blowing. And and again, I, you know, it's it's fun to see some disagreement, but then you you know, it's weird that you start to side with the libertarians who actually technically are further down on the right side uh, than this crackpot. Uh, hold on a second. Let me let me grab this. It's the Skype. Uh, uh, hello. Hey, BF. It's John Stossel. Oh, hi. I was just watching that clip of you and Ann Coulter uh, on YouTube. Yeah, she's a piece of work, isn't she? Well, indeed, she is. Uh, what I find interesting, though, I was just telling my listeners here, is how some issues, uh, libertarians and liberals, were kind of on the same page. Something Miss Coulter doesn't seem to like at all. She made that abundantly clear. I haven't seen a woman that annoyed with me since I took all the seatbelts out of my mom's car when I was 12. Why would you do that? I've always been a libertarian, P.F. I felt the government had no right forcing us to have seatbelts in our car. Do you want government in every aspect of your life? Well, I don't know, maybe a little. A little? Well, yeah, if I had a hamburger, I'd like to be fairly certain that I'm not going to succumb to food poisoning or mad cow disease. How boring is that? Boring? What do you mean, boring? Sure. A hamburger is so much more thrilling when you know there's a chance it could kill you. Look, John, I get the whole not wanting government to hassle you. I, I'm down with that. Uh, I think there's some common ground here. Uh, but what about, like, clean air? That's another area I think the government has a responsibility to step in and say, hey, look, you can't make the air dangerous and polluted for everyone else. Promote the general welfare, like it says in the Constitution. But in Los Angeles, air pollution has actually gone down over the years, P.F., yeah, I know that, John, but how do you think that happened? It wasn't just by magic. It happened because of emission controls and higher fuel standards on cars as set forth by the federal government. It would be a lot cleaner if we privatized the air. Privatized the air? Sure, if people want to breathe the dirty air, they should be able to. What are you talking about? That doesn't even make any sense. I don't have to make sense, B.F. I work for Fox Business News. All I really have to say is government should get out of our lives. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to enjoy a cookie a glass of unpasteurized milk. Okay, John, well, thanks for checking in. Appreciate it. No problem, P.F. <sighs> I don't feel so good. I think I'm going to lie down. I must be off. Al Madrigal is a stand-up comedian you know not only from Comedy Central, but from all the late-night chat shows, and from his work as a correspondent on The Daily Show, and from his work on the hit sitcom About a Boy. Here now is our interview with Al Madrigal. (music) 
Okay, joining us on PF's Tape Recorder, this is a huge one, Al Madrigal. Al, how you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm so thrilled that you said a huge one. That's nice. It, it is. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm in, actually in Mexico right now. Oh, cool. My, my brother got married, and um, I, he got married at a Cabo Surf Hotel. I'm hearing myself. Do you hear an echo? No, I'm not, I'm not hearing an echo on this end. Oh, okay, then I'll, I'll power through. So, uh, yeah, he got married at this Cabo Surf Hotel, and then we had this. you got to look this up if you're on the Internet right now. You can look up at Flora Farms, Ooh. this amazing farm in Baja where it has this underground spring, and they do everything farm to table. So it was really nice. Uh, I had never been down there uh, before. So, wow. so it's beautiful. And now we're down here for um, a couple more days on a family vacation. Very cool, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I know we, we've spoken before, but this was years and years ago. And uh, what makes this so exciting uh, for, for me is the fact that we're very excited about the success of About a Boy. Oh, cool. And I am uh, as well because, it, you know, this is, it's been a little while um, since I've been doing this now. I, we moved down to L.A. in 2003, me and my wife and a one-year-old child. And now that one-year-old is about to turn 12 on Tuesday, Whoa. and um, you know, I've been down in LA, sort of working and put my head down, and ever since, and it's um, you know, eight eight pilots, I think, and uh, four. This is the fourth one to make it to air. Yeah, and so it's and the first one to make it to a second season, if you can believe that. Yeah. So uh, very excited, and everybody on the cast is the best thing I've, I've heard so far and these guys have worked on a bunch of shows is the sound guys have been <laughs> on about a boy have been on house and they've been on uh, west wing you know just like shows that have run forever and they're so excited about our cast everybody always says oh my cast is great i love the people i'm working with but to have guys um that have been working on legit shows uh, we all go out at the smokehouse and hang out together. They said when they'd invite other people out on those other shows, 10 people would go out and hang out, maybe. And then on our cast, um, 50 to 60 of oh, us wow. go out and hang out together. It's such a great group of people. So um, it really is a fun show to do. And I think it has a lot of heart and it's funny. And everybody in the cast legitimately cares about each other. And I think that shows. Definitely, so. yeah. Yeah, it's well, a cool show. The thing that struck me was that now my wife and I, were, as my, to borrow a line from my friend John Davies, we're a tough room when it comes to sitcoms. So, um, and we watched about a boy, and I, I cannot recall a better pilot uh, in in years. And even you go back to the great ones, Taxi, Friends, Mash, great shows, eh, so so pilots. But it's like about the boy just hit the ground running. He really did a good job. This yeah. is, you know, if you're if you're not uh, familiar, Jason Kadams, the That's guy right. who brought, yeah, he he really knows what he's doing. You know, it, it's you, if if you can buy this, the script for the finale, and not what eventually made it to air. Because again, with just just like in the pilot, I had a big, you know, huge scene cut out of the pilot, and um, I would have been in it more. You know, you have to kill. A lot of stuff um, in any of these shows because he shoots a ton. That's his uh, mo. Is that Jason will probably shoot more, way more than he needs, and um, whittle it down. So he, we, you know, lost a big chunk of the pilot. But also the script that he wrote for the finale was maybe the best 
episode of television I've ever read. Uh, it was it was amazing. Like he, this guy really really knows what he's doing because eventually you you do right away. I mean, you you care about these characters and the way he uses music and uh, it's just he really does a great job. Yeah, actually, I didn't. Uh, I, I forgot that um, a, a show that uh, we liked of his a long time ago. This is way before Parent was uh, Roswell. Is right after he came off of X Files. Exactly. Yeah, he uh, he's been around for a while. So um, okay. um, yeah, I, he's I, awesome. I have to stop for one second here and help my daughter for a second. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> no problem. Got so um, yeah, I have kids too. How old is your daughter? Uh, well, I, the ten-year-old uh, is in here in the family room with me, trying to watch uh, Disney Channel online, while the older one and her boyfriend are in the living room. That uh, scares me. Older yeah, exactly. One and her boyfriend. Exactly. So we're keeping a close eye on them. If yeah, get a hear, shotgun. Yeah. We've got our eye on you in there. So, uh, so, but no, they're they're good kids. Um, yeah. So I had to help her set up the laptop real quick. And yeah. So, anyway. Um, and then uh, of course you've been working on the Daily Show for a number of years as well. Yeah, that's also exciting. I actually, um, I think I have a piece on this week uh, that should air. We'll see if it gets bumped. It was supposed to be on Thursday about uh, cockfighting in Louisiana. So. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not able to get on as men as you know as much as I was a couple of years ago pre about a boy, but uh, they're still bringing me in for field pieces, which is awesome because that's what I really enjoy yeah. doing the most over there. You get a lot more uh, control. You're in. I mean, it's it's a great job either way, but uh, you really do get to um, control it and riff a lot. Uh, John, just even if you're in studio, you have a tremendous amount of freedom. That's it. I think what both shows have in common about a boy and Daily Show is that the people at the top, Jason Kadams and John Stewart, are so confident in their, their the people they hired, their uh, ability to riff and and come up with their own stuff that they give a lot of people free reign to do that. So, um, you know, Daily Show, John has given us a tremendous opportunity to even in studio at the desk. Yeah, play play around and have fun, and that makes it more interesting for him, I think. Oh yeah, and you can totally see that in in both shows. Uh, it's where yeah. the last piece I saw of yours on the Daily Show was was as actually I found it courtesy of uh, Newsbusters. Have you ever seen this website? No. It's the greatest. Oh man, it's the greatest thing. It's it's my Fox News. Like it, it, John Stewart is Fox News. I've got Newsbusters. It's a site that allegedly purports to f uh, find a liberal bias in the media by using scientific methods. And I always point out to my listeners, it's ironic, the people who don't really like science are using science to prove a point. But anyway, they did the, they showed a thing on your uh, your field piece about, I can't remember what it was about, but it, it ended with the Fox News, the two different Fox Newses, the one for Hispanic audiences, the one for uh, scared white Americans. Oh, yeah, yeah, and Fox they, News Latino. Yeah, yeah. But they listed the transcript of, they didn't link to the video or anything, they just made a transcript of it. And I'm like, if you're reading this, it makes no effing sense at all. <laughs> That's great. But they wouldn't link to the thing because if they would link to the video, it would make fun of Fox News or their or their, or their buddies. And I just, I just thought that was odd. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So Fox News Latino, I came out. The whole point of the piece was, hey, actually, they're not doing that bad of a job. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. And then you go to right next door. It's Fox <laughs> Nation, yeah. and that's like the comments, like the the same article or the same topic. And one is like a, the, you know, a bunch of Mexican guys lined up with handcuffs yeah. on, and then the other one is a family being torn apart, like uh, on yeah, the, uh, which, on which their website. Can, oh man, it's just crazy, just crazy. 
Um, and so, do you, you're still getting much chance to do stand up? I guess if you're busy, you know, doing the sitcom and and doing field pieces. Um, I mean, this getting coming down to Jacksonville, like you're going to be doing. That's um, the thing is, I love doing stand up, and that's what I got into it for um, in 2004. And there's a lot of notable people there that I won't mention, but I got the jury award for best stand up. It's almost like I've been distracted away from stand up with the TV stuff, and had I put my head down uh and just done stand up i think a lot more people would know me for that uh, but i'm just trying to jam it in there because i love it and i i really think i'm uh, good at it and well, yeah frank um so i i don't i i not really that even the hour special i really don't feel like you know that was sort of a rush job when i was working on the daily show i don't feel like i've hit my full potential this hour um, that I'm doing now, I really enjoy doing. I think I need to tighten up and work on. But um, this is probably the best stuff that I've ever done is you know, people are going to be seeing. And I've had an opportunity since we've been off since late March to really work on this act. And, um, yeah, it's going to be – I can guarantee that it's going to be a really good show. Cool. So, so um, what well you... worth the 20 bucks they're charging to get in the door. <laughs> there you go. But, so what drew you to the acting, though? Because I know a lot of guys like Regan and Gaffigan and the guys, they, like you said, they just plowed ahead into stand-up. But did you also have an affinity for doing acting as well? Did you have a background in that? Or did it just seem like something fun to do and a different th- a different way to kind of voice you know, your humor? You it, know, it's so funny. Like, uh, So I got into stand-up. I go to the Montreal Just for Laughs Comedy Festival and got a cast of my own TV show right away in 2003. Oh. Uh, Oh. really got a taste of it then with no real prior experience did a little bit of acting in you know grammar school and high school but nothing yeah. that would have you know said oh wow this guy can be a great actor and um i not that i think i am now but i just really enjoy it and i'm it's something i always wanted to work on because i've um and you know the money's not bad either you know well, you yeah. have a small <laughs> small family and you're down in Los Angeles, but I've you know always uh, gone out and been cast and stuff, and so I uh, I just really do enjoy acting. And now even more so when you're getting an opportunity like in About a Boy to do some dramatic stuff. And you know, it, for years I was always the guy that was popping his head into a conference room. All right, all right, who ate my lunch? <laughs> and now I'm. Uh, I get to um, play a character with a, a little bit of depth, and um, it's it's exciting. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, well, like just with again with about a boy, it just seems like those characters they, they came out really well developed. I mean, just from the very beginning scenes with you and your wife on the show, you get a really good sense of what that relationship's about and how they relate to Will, the main character, and uh, yeah, it's just it's really cool. Um, you now you uh, had. Uh, we're in the family business for a while there in San Francisco, and uh, I remember hearing on Marin that you had, le- and you might have even told me this years ago, that you had, uh, were going to try to run the family business, but really were drawn to comedy, uh, even though it didn't yeah. pay very well. Yeah, I was supposed to be the guy. I was uh, the eldest son in a family business. It's a staffing firm that still exists. And I was supposed to take the whole thing over. My dad would yell at me when I would be <laughs> driving up to Sacramento. Where are you right now? I'm driving to Sacramento. Why in the hell are you driving to Sacramento? I'm going to open up for a guy named Louis C.K. <laughs> Who in the hell is Louis C.K.? And this is like on Sunday night when 38 people are in the crowd for Louis. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And at the Sa- uh, Sacramento Punchline, which is um, 
you know, next to a mattress store in a bad strip mall. And so my dad would freak out. Who, how much are they paying you? 25 bucks. 25 <laughs> bucks? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> and uh, you get yelled at. Now my picture is, you know, probably like the side of his bed because he's so happy and proud. There but you go. they were not cool with me leaving the family business because it sort of meant everything to the family that I would take this over and help it grow and uh, couldn't fathom why I'd want to leave. But it was extremely stressful because you were dealing with other people's headaches. I was like a corporate fixer. If um, people were screwing up somewhere, that's where our company would get called in and uh, help out. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, a similar tale with uh, uh, Paul Mercurio, also of, from The Daily Show, uh, you know, leaving hit, leaving a Wall Street gig to pursue comedy. But I guess it's just something in you that's got to get out. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of us that have, I think, um, uh, yeah, it's, I think it takes a, a, a little bit more to leave, you know, if you're, you know, sort of like an hourly job where you're not making good money. Yeah. But there's... There's probably I watched my dad was an artist and he had to suppress that, you know, the, he didn't follow his bliss or do anything like that because he had a family and I saw him make that mistake, and then I saw my mom go, you know, and and really take a chance and start this family business, and so I felt like um, those two, you know, watching those two, um, yeah, have that experience. Uh, led me to sort of take the plunge and go for it. I figured if I didn't start, I started late. I started at 28 years old. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah, it, it, which is, you know, most most probably people start when they're 22. A lot of comics started at 18. And I always wanted to do it, but it was uh, hard to deny what this business meant to our family and um, didn't want to be a total jerk and just abandon them right away. Yeah, that, that, would, yeah, that would be tough when you got a lot of other people relying on you not just yeah. an immediate family but an like, extended family and everything holy cow that's just you know and I'm, well, i i even did my first pilot and went back to work on monday i, I did it's <laughs> not like I left right away wow. i had to wait for that to get picked up so i did my first tv pilot network tv pilot and went back to work you know the following monday just had people on headsets announcing I was going to be coming into the next room and then went back to, you know, helping with everything from emptying trash cans to hiring wow. people. Jeez. Um, yeah. uh, that's crazy. Um, I forgot. I, I'd lost my train of thought there uh, on the um, doing. Oh, the uh, with the thing that had to get out of you, the uh, the Internet, of course, I think for good or for bad is kind of help people with that because, you know, for me, I do my dumb podcast once a week. And I do, you know, my dumb bits, and I get to talk to interesting people, and that pretty much does it. And I don't know, maybe that's suppressing me from doing greater things, or maybe it's keeping me from killing myself. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, uh, it's so funny. There's a book I just fixed. There's a book that I always recommend to uh, younger comics or anybody who wants to do anything uh, called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. But I think you can, it's, it's all about resistance, and that is a form of it, is getting sort of complacent and you know, trapped in another career and using that as an excuse or, you know, sort of, sort of associated um, art form that really has, but it seems like you're doing it, right? You're doing uh, the podcast and writing. And yeah, this exactly. Is what you yeah. want to do. Doing yeah. 
You know, trying to get, I don't know if people are quite understanding it. I, we, we try to get onto the uh, Sideshow Network that, that Paul Mercurio's podcast is on. And the guy was real, you know, I, I dropped Paul's name and the guy was very happy to see all the people that have been on, like Marin and Pardo and all those guys. But then I guess when he heard it, he was like, oh, you know, we really don't have the bandwidth for it. So. That was funny. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. But. I started a network with Bill Burr called All Things Comedy. And, um, we, you know, I'd have you on, but we do all, pretty much all comedians and uh, main, you know, everybody's sort of a headlining comic. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, okay. yeah, th- 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 there's a theme to that. Yeah. I'm, uh, my yeah. friend Jackie Cation's on there with the Dork Force. Jackie, yes. Yes. And one of the originals. We started in 2013 in October with 10 podcasts, or even eight, I think, and uh, now have close to 45, 46. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I, so. it's weird because I know a lot of comedians do podcasts, and a lot of them, uh, well, not a lot of them. I would say some of them, they it's they they feel they should be doing podcasts. It's not like Jackie, who actually has a theme to her show, and things like that, or Bill, for that matter, who you know just, just who's just being Bill every once a week, every Monday. But uh, I'm more of a, a podcaster that does comedy because I you know I'll do the open mic occasionally. But uh, and that suits, that suits me just fine. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Now. Uh, what is it with the picture of uh, the Beach Boys on your... Oh, I just had to put something up one time because I didn't like having a little generic thing on there. And I should probably just put a picture of me, but it's the first thing I could find. And I'm a huge Beach Boys fan, so I just stuck those guys up. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Uh, no relation to the other Wilsons? No relation to the Wilsons at all, no. Okay. No, uh, just, a, just a strange coincidence. But, cool. uh, but I wish uh, I had well, their money. <laughs> so you live in Jacksonville? I, I no. see from the comedy calendar. Okay. No, no, I'm in Cincinnati. Uh, oddly, uh, my in-laws uh, live a little south of uh, Jacksonville, so I'm familiar with the Jacksonville area and the Jacksonville airport. We fly into there often to visit them. And, uh, yeah, I've just written for the paper. I wrote for the paper a lot before the economy crashed, and then when the economy crashed, all of my uh, writing dried up except for Cincinnati City Beat, where I live, and Minneapolis City Pages. Because uh, they liked me, but um, I still occasionally do stuff like Houston Press and um, some papers like that. And uh, this happened to come up, yeah. And I, uh, I I didn't know the editor that's there now, but I said, hey, look, I wrote for you guys in the past, and Al's coming. And he's doing really well with the Daily Show and about a boy. And this is sure, let's do it. Awesome. Yeah. So well, this worked out really well. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I. Um, it looks like a good club. But so, and that's the other thing is I just say for my agents. Uh, um, clubs people really like, and that seems to be one of them. You look at their calendar; they have a lot of great comics going to Jacksonville. So I'm happy to play. Yeah. That, you know, I'm excited to check this place out. Yeah, I think it's an an, an unsung club because I remember from interviewing guys there back in the day. Yeah, a lot of uh, great people uh, go through that room there. So uh, I think you're gonna have a good time. Awesome. And all right, continue success to you, man. And we'll be crossing right. our fingers for about a boy get that into the top ten uh, in the fall, and uh, we'll be hammering that pretty hard. Please tell your wife I said thank you for watching. Oh, great. Okay, will do. All right. All right. right. Thanks, Al. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to Al Madrigal for being on the show. You can catch Al June 26th through the 28th at the Comedy Zone in Jacksonville, Florida. He will be at Zany's in Nashville August 14th through the 16th. And for all things Al Madrigal, go to almadrigal.com. You can also go to The Daily Show's website and type in his name, and I believe it'll bring up all uh, the bits he's been in uh, over the years. Now, uh, I cannot recommend About a Boy highly enough. 
For some strange reason, NBC was rerunning the other show that debuted with About a Boy, uh, Growing Up Fisher, but they were not rerunning About a Boy, and now they're not rerunning either one of them. But you can go to the NBC website and watch full episodes of About a Boy, which you should do, and you can watch it for free in Hulu, which I think is uh, really strange because normally you can only watch really, really old shows on Hulu for free, and then like new shows you have to pay for, but apparently I'm on the laptop right now, and uh, I've got full episodes right here. It's not asking me to log in or anything like that. So I recommend you go to uh, either Hulu or NBC and watch the uh, all the full episodes of About a Boy. Um, I don't know if the mobile app will work for you. Uh, if you don't have cable, it does not work. It's useless. And, of course, Hulu, you have to have Hulu Plus to pay for that in order for the mobile app to work. So anyway, uh, do check that out. Highly recommended. And, again, uh, my wife and I, we're a tough room when it comes to sitcoms, so we're not, we wouldn't steer you wrong on this one. All right, so uh, that is about a boy and Al Madrigal and uh, all things like that. Uh, now, I am reading this book here. Uh, I found out about it quite by accident. Oddly, uh, I got a, a Twitter message from our friends over at the Rock Solid podcast, and it said, at PF66 is going to love this week's episode of Rock Solid, uh, with, and then it had the Twitter handle of this author, uh, as well as the, the that week's co-host, he rotates four of them, uh, April Richardson. And I was like, oh, this is cool. So I look it up, and um, uh, the, there's a Twitter handle for the book itself called Mad World, an oral history of new wave artists and songs that define the 1980s. And I'm like, I cannot wait for this. Now, oddly, they made a brief mention of this on uh, Rock Solid's um, cousin show, Never Not Funny, with Jimmy Pardo. Uh, Scott Ackerman, I believe, was on, and he just mentioned passing. They were talking about the new wave music of the 80s. And he goes, oh, have you read that book? But I'm a month behind because I binge listen to podcasts. I listen to a bunch of them all in a row, and then I go to the next one. So um, I missed that. But anyway, I was, uh, thanks to Twitter and Rock Solid, uh, I got on board, and I ordered this from Amazon, and it came. I'm about halfway through it, and apparently, after listening to uh, Rock Solid, uh, April Richardson did the same thing. She went to her favorite band first and then worked backwards through the book, or went to the beginning of the book. So I did the same thing, of course. I started with the OMD chapter and then went to the beginning. Now... I was afraid at first. I was like, wow, I'm probably going to have all kinds of problems with this book. But I, I have very, very few problems with this book, especially the way they, uh, they laid it out and they explained the way they wrote it. So I'm cool with the whole thing. Just a very couple of minor nitpicky things I have, and maybe I'll, I'll go over those in more detail uh, in the coming weeks. But do check out, if you like uh, the new wave music like I do, uh, check this out. Uh, let me see, give me the author on this here. It is uh, Laurie Majewski and Jonathan Bernstein. And uh, they've done an excellent job of encapsulating uh, some of the, uh, the the 36 of the best songs uh, of the 80s. And in some cases, they um, I'll give you a little uh, just a little background here. For example, New Order they chose Blue Monday even though it is neither one of their favorite New Order songs. But that song is kind of like has a lot of uh, meaning as an important song, and that's the best-selling 12-inch record of all time. It's a song that other people, even if you don't know New Order, you probably know Blue Monday. And so I, I get why they chose that one. Um, they chose If You Leave by OMD, which which uh, wouldn't have been my choice, but then again, they explain why they chose it, and I'm like, okay, I get it, I understand. And plus, they don't just talk about one song by each of the bands. They get they talk to the bands, and the bands explain. That's what the oral history part is. The bands explain uh, some of the stories and the things behind the songs that are the subject of the chapter, as well as a couple other things about the band in question. So do check that out, um, and that is about going to do it here for this week. In keeping with the spirit of uh, Mad World, uh, this great new book I'm reading here, we're going to uh, play a song by one of the groups that is featured in the book, though not the, the song that they discuss. Uh, in the book, they discuss uh, this band's song, 
Iran, uh, which was, I mean, I understand the choice there. But uh, A Flock of Seagulls uh, had a lot of great songs. I would say they had at least half a dozen other great tunes, including this one. This is from their second album, Listen. This is a song called Wishing So Long, and thanks for listening. Thank you.